You're listening to Swipe East, Swipe West, where we dive into the dating differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley Davis. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Swipe East, Swipe West, the dating culture podcast focusing on differences from coast to coast. I'm your host, Ashley, and you can find us on Instagram at Swipe East, Swipe West. I hope everyone had an amazing week. I don't know about all of you, but I'm really starting to feel the daylight savings. I hate daylight savings. I wish it would be gone. Um, I know some people like that it's bright in the morning, but as soon as the sun rises, I am starting my work day. And then as it sets, I am ending it. So I'm waiting for winter solstice basically um, for the days to start becoming longer. But um, in the meantime, I'm happy to be back back in LA. I think I mentioned last week I've been traveling a lot and the next few months I am here. So I know this past weekend I was out, went to happy hour on the beach, went to Rufus Du Soul concert, and it was 80 degrees, which was insane um, for this time of year. Even here, it's really unheard of. So it was outside and, and honestly, it was great to help combat that seasonal depression. I know I shared some updates last week. The only update I really have right now is literally the day that I dropped the episode saying how um, a guy from like a year ago had reached out and texted me, hey, with like the several whys, no context. That night, I got a text from a different guy that I had met out a few months ago over the summer, and he had actually... um, asked me out on a date or whatever, asked me to hang out, call what you want. And um, I said, sure, you know, I'm trying to be open-minded here. And um, as we approached the weekend, he texted me and I never heard from him again. I got ghosted and um, poof, out of the blue, he reappeared on last Wednesday and just said, hey, again, with the several whys. So I don't know what's in the air um, these days, but needless to say, I did not reply Again, like trying to be open-minded, but you got to work with me here. Like if you're going to ghost me, you can't just reappear and say, hey, with no context. Like, hey, sorry, like I knew you were traveling and I just didn't think it was the right time and I should have responded. Hey, I've been really busy. Like something, you know, like it doesn't make ghosting okay, but you know, I probably would have replied to that. Food for thought. Also, just strange timing again that it was like the day that I dropped the episode. So if this guy is somehow listening to this and found this, um, I encourage you to text me and let me know because that would be weird, but cool. So anyways, that was my updates. And then diving into the podcast. So last week we had my friend Brittany on um, talking about dating and living in Milwaukee. Um, So talking about gas station cheese curds, which I will never get over and actually had a few people DM me that they've personally had the cheese curds and that they're fantastic. So um, I actually cannot have dairy, but might have to try it and risk it for that. And talked about art and how she met her partner, Dave, who's also been on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to it, definitely check it out. But this week, I'm very excited about our guest, Mike. He actually also hosts his own podcast called Tall Mike Wine, one word, no spaces. And um, despite the name, it's actually not a podcast that's only about wine, but definitely, you know, talks about wine. I know a lot of the guests are drinking the wine and tasting wine while while they record, but 
there's just a lot of conversations happening. So I know one of the recent episodes I listened to, there was a journalist on talking about like her journey in that wine journalism field, which was super interesting to hear those behind the scenes look. And I know um, Mike actually just dropped another episode this week while he was up in Walla Walla, Washington, um, when, when we actually recorded um, this episode, when he was doing some wine tasting and did um, a little like Mike on tour episode. So definitely feel free to check that out um, if you haven't. And how I met Mike is kind of a funny story. So my friends and I back in October, um, early October, we were up in uh, the Napa Valley area, specifically Sonoma, to celebrate my friend's um, 35th birthday, huge milestone. And we were at this winery called Nicholson Ranch, and Mike was working at the winery and actually gave us our wine tour, so can definitely confirm he knows a lot about wine. And um, while we were back in the tasting room on our way out, my friend had noticed that he had some coasters advertising um, his podcast. So she started talking to him about um, this podcast, my podcast, and um, he and I got to talking just about podcasting and, you know, what each of ours is about and um, connected that way and decided to, you know, be each other's guests on on there. So I'm very excited to have him on. Um, We're going to be talking today about dating through the decades. Mike is 57, so um, definitely older than um, some of the guests I've had on so far, but also bringing a lot of perspective and grew up in the Pacific Northwest area, you know, actually lived up and down the West Coast, which you'll hear in this episode, but definitely brings a bit of that small town culture and, and some of his upbringing into how that affected his dating life. But a lot of what we are going to talk about today are actually those generational differences as well and how that played into dating. So for example, starting off dating without technology through personal ads and newspaper through now with dating apps and online. So again, excited to have Mike and let's dive in. So Mike, how is Walla Walla, Washington? I know you're up there doing some wine tasting. I am. I'm tall Mike Wine, and I have to go to the wine places sometimes. Walla Walla is in the southeastern corner of Washington State, right next to Idaho, right next to Oregon. And for like 150 years, this area was just this out in the middle of nowhere wheat farming area of Washington. Not a lot of people, just farmers. Now the farmers are grape farmers and they're making wine and they're making world-class wine and Walla Walla is turning into this like mecca for people to go to discover new wines. And there's probably a couple hundred wineries here. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, it's amazing. It has exploded. And so, and I hadn't been here in 20 years uh, when it got to be last year, the pandemic, and my boss said, you got to go on vacation. And I didn't know where to go where I wouldn't put myself in danger or my family in danger. Cause you know, traveling before vaccines came, I was like, well, I don't want to pick something up on the road and then go home and kill my parents. Yeah. So I thought, well, where can I go where I can have fun, do something I like to do, but you know, kind of stay away from people. So I came up here to Walla Walla and they had just shut down the tastings for indoors last year when I got here. So it was all outdoor tastings and it's winter time. It's raining right now here, but it's chilly. And uh, so I did outdoor tastings all week, but I was basically the only person wherever I went because most people had canceled their plans because they couldn't taste indoors. And a lot of the wineries were having to cancel on people because they didn't have outdoor seating. And I, But I had such a great time that I decided to come back this year. And so I'm here for three days, three solid days of wine tasting. I've got three appointments a day. And uh, what's today, Thursday? 
Yes. Yeah, tomorrow's Friday. So I've got three more appointments tomorrow, and then I, then I move on. And I will go visit the family. They're all on the west side of the state near Seattle. But Walla, but Walla Walla, I highly recommend it. Yeah, I, I feel like I've heard of Walla Walla, but I've only been to Seattle and Washington. I've never really, I haven't explored too much outside of that, but I'll have to add it to the list. Yeah. I mean, it takes a while to get here because you can't fly in. Right. And you can fly to the closest, like, kind of city is Spokane. And that's north, but that's still like a two and a half hour drive. Gotcha. So you have to rent a car for sure. Yeah, you have to rent a car or, or you know, like me, I drove up here from the Bay Area. I spent one night in Bend, Oregon, uh, and, then I, and then I got here the next day. So in a total of about 13 hours driving. Gotcha. Definitely a long trip, but sounds like it's worth it if you're a wine lover like yourself. I am a wine lover. Well, I'm excited to have you on my podcast to talk about your experience with dating because I know you've had a lot of different experiences being 57 years old right now. But so you were dating most of the time in, I know you're in a long-term relationship also currently, yes. Yes. but you spent a lot of time dating in around the 60s. Is that correct? No. No, I was born in the 60s. Come on. Oh, okay. My math. My math is, <laughs> I'm not I that screwed old. up my math. I'm not that It's been old. a long day, okay? Ashley, uh, I, was dating, I wish I had been dating in the 60s because that sounds like a lot of fun. I you thought know? my math was wrong in my head, but yep, it was. Imagine going back to the summer of love, you know, where people were just like, turn on, tune in and drop out and go get laid. <laughs> no, but. Uh, no, I, I didn't actually start dating until the 80s, the very early 80s. I was a late bloomer in high school. I did not date at all in high school. I was so afraid of rejection. And, uh, and you know, it's like if I knew then what I know now, like, just go talk to the girls. They like it. <laughs> and I, I didn't know that. So I was so afraid they'd be like, get out of here. Ew, you're yucky. <laughs> so I didn't date until I was out of high school. So I was a real late bloomer. And then, uh, and then now I, now I describe myself as a serial monogamous because I've had three or four serious relationships that, that were a few years in length each. But in between each of those, yeah, I did a lot of dating. So I, you know, my first uh, real experience being a single guy was in the, uh, actually not until the late 90s because I got married very young. I was a late bloomer and then I made a mistake and I married somebody very young because I didn't know. I didn't know I needed to really just get out there, have some fun break some hearts. And so I, you know, like the third person I went on a serious date with, I ended up getting into a relationship with. And then we eventually got married because that's what you do if you're in a long relationship. You know, a lot of the time it's like, well, I guess we just get married. And that's, that's a dumb mistake because we, we stayed married, but then we split up. We were together for about 10 years. So going back to something you just said about that it was a mistake, was it to your point because you got married so young and or do you it was it the wrong person combination like because I personally think that people shouldn't get married that young because I think you're, you don't have the maturity, I think, to truly understand and people grow a lot like from their early 20s, just my own perspective. But I'm interested to hear like from you going through that, like what you think about that. That's exactly right. I didn't know when I started dating this person. I was like 22, and it was only like the third person I'd ever had a date with. And then, you know, we liked each other, and that's cool. And then at some point, there was this uh, shift where like my rent was being raised, and her roommate was moving out, and we, like dumb kids, just said, hey, 
let's get a place together. And then, you know, you're, you, you, that's like standing at the top of the mountain and you make a little snowball and then you throw it down the hill and it starts to roll and it starts to roll and it starts to roll and it starts to roll. It takes a long time to get big, but eventually it does. And it creates a lot of chaos in its path. And so I just wasn't experienced. You know, I needed to get out and see what kind of people there are in the world because, you know, you get married and then you're three, four years in and you start meeting all these other kinds of people like, oh, wow, I wonder what that would be like. I wonder what that person would be like or somebody like that. So it wasn't like we were a terrible match, but eventually, and this was all me, I was like, I feel like I just didn't quite get it right. And eventually I was either going to start having massive mad affairs, which I didn't want to do. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, I was, I was curious. I was curious about what it was like to be with other people, not just sexually, but just in a relationship. And I got to that point where I'm like, okay, I got to get out of this or I'm going to really make some mistakes. So, you know, and we did the whole thing with like the therapy and all the stuff. And the little voice in the back of my head was always like, no, nah, you want out of this thing. You really do. And it's okay. And eventually it was. And I got out. Well, and at that time too, because I feel like today people are getting married later, at least just through the people I know. So was it, was it more common back then for people like to get married that young or was that, were you kind of a exception to the rule? No, I, I think it was, I think it was a combination of, uh, it was more the norm back then. We got married in 1989 um, after dating for three years, living together for three years. And I think people got married younger, but another factor in this was that I moved to this very small town, very blue collar town in Washington state. And she grew up there. And it was one of those small town things too. You know, a lot of the kids in the small town, they stay in the small town, they get a job at the mill. That sounds like a Bruce Springsteen song now. <laughs> they get a job at the mill and then they get married and start pumping out babies. Cause that's what you do in a town like that. And you still hang out with the people you went to high school with the rest of your life. And, you know, I was in that kind of a town and I think that was the expected thing where, you know, I mean, because here's, here's an example. She'd hang out with her girlfriends on like, she'd go out on a Sunday and I'm going to go out with my girlfriends on a Sunday. Like, that's cool. And then she'd get home and I could just tell she was in a different kind of mood. And it was more like the girlfriends had been asking her because we weren't married. You know, and let, let me put on a funny voice here. When is he going to marry you? <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And so she'd come home and she'd be looking at me like, hmm, hmm, when's he going <laughs> to marry me? You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So very small town, very much like your high school girlfriends are telling you, well, you better, that guy better marry you, you know? So that was a combination of small town and 30 years ago. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask, um, about where you were living at that time and if, if how the environment played into the factor. So it sounds like there was just some like societal pressures based on that location. Totally. Totally. That's, I think, and I think you see that more in smaller towns, but look what's happening in society. People are moving away from smaller towns. The bigger cities are getting bigger. And I think people that live or grow up in a bigger city like that, I think they understand like, you know, you got to get out into the world. There's so much, you, you, you see it before you when you're younger, if you, if you live in a bigger city, like, wow, there's lots of different kinds of people in the world. Whereas I was from a smaller town. It was like, okay, I guess there's just a few kinds of people. And I found one that I like. Okay, I guess I'll get married. And in addition to that, online dating wasn't really a thing at that time. So I think <laughs> today, even in these small towns, it's like, oh, like I can go on Tinder. I can go on 
Bumble. And there's even in the small town, there's like other people or people passing through on these apps. And I feel like back then there wasn't access to that. So people, my assumption is were more comfortable maybe settling with someone they were comfortable with versus, you know, there's all these options now online, um, even if you are in a relationship. Oh, you're totally right. Because back then, you know, you didn't have like this catalog you could look at every day with new people in it. Right. It was like you met the people that you met, you know, friends of friends. You know, your cousin has a guy that works at her office who's single. I'm going to fix you up with this guy. You know, that kind of stuff. Right. That doesn't happen that much anymore. <laughs> no, no. That's rare. Well, and the, and the thing is, I think it's, we've gotten to that point where people are afraid to just talk to people in public because we're, we're trained now to be afraid of strangers you don't know. Um, if you hadn't noticed from your visit to the winery in Sonoma, I'm a pretty gregarious guy and I talk to people. I go, where I go, if I see somebody and I think something, I, I'll say something to somebody out of the blue. And sometimes people look at me like, why is he talking to me? And I'm like, well, because I'm another human being and I'm feeling some kind of a thing that I want to say to you, you know? And so people are a little bit afraid of that sometimes, I think. And also people have earbuds in their ears <laughs> all the time. I've had that be really annoying. I'll, I'll you know, I'll, I'll make a comment to somebody. I'm standing in line somewhere and like kind of lean my head towards somebody next to me and I'll say something, trying to be funny and trying to be friendly. And like they don't even move, they don't even flinch. They just keep staring straight ahead. And I look I'm like, oh, earbuds. Okay. <laughs> That's me. I'm guilty of that. I always <laughs> walk around with my earbuds and I notice the days that I don't have them in, people are like, hi. And I'm like, I look at them like they have three heads. I'm like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> Especially in LA, like in East Coast, people don't really do that. I feel like they do it more here. Oh. But yeah. <laughs> so so when I first became single. It was the late 90s after my marriage, and there was still no online dating. The internet was barely a thing. I know I feel like, I feel like an old timer talking about the old days. <laughs> and, but there was a thing. So by that time, I was living in Spokane, Washington, which is not a big town, but it's not a small town. It's kind of getting to that medium sized. And so are you, did you move there after high school, or is that where your town was in high school? Uh, no, no. I lived all over the state because my first jobs before I got into restaurant work, which then led me to the wine world, were in radio broadcasting. <laughs> of course. I was a disc jockey. And in the radio business back then, you started in the smallest town you could find a job in. You didn't, you didn't really need to have experience. They would just hire you because you knew, you knew how to push buttons and talk at the same time. Because I went to school for that. And then, uh, and then you move to a little bigger town and a little bigger town and a little bigger town. So I ended up in Spokane with the, the last radio job before I jumped off into restaurant work with my wine geekiness. And so that's why I was in Spokane. And that's where the divorce happened. But that was, that was two moves after we got married in that small town that she was from. Okay. But there was no internet really yet for dating. The internet was basically like, you know, what is it? What do we do with it? <laughs> it was still like dial-ups. It was dialect, you know, the beep, boop, 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 beep, boop, beep, beep, modem sound. Yep. And, you know, I was single and I'm like, what am I going to do? You know, uh, I was, you know, I was in radio, so I knew a lot of people. People knew me. Um, but, you know, it was always like, well, how do I meet more people? How do I meet, you know, someone to go on a date with? And there was at that time uh, the personal ads 
that were in the weekly newspapers, you know, not like the daily newspapers, the old conservative newspaper, but you know, like you've got the LA weekly and I'm sure there's a ton of weekly newspapers in LA that are a little bit off the beaten path, kind of funky alternative papers. And they had personal ads. So you place a personal ad basically saying who you are, what you're looking for. And then the, I don't remember how people replied. It was something to do with your phone and they had to apply to like a box number. Like they would call the personal line and punch in the box number that was on your personal ad and leave you a voicemail. That seems so foreign to me now. Like I can't even imagine <laughs> doing that. This is like you're in a museum. <laughs> yeah. Looking at yeah. Something, right? <laughs> yeah. Seriously. Like, and here's. Oh, there's Mike. Mike seeking female. Like. <laughs> yeah. A single white male, you know, whatever your age is. And then. Yeah, I get you get like 50 words or something. So you'd have to put, you know, maybe at two or three hobbies and then two or three things you might be seeking, you know, and that was it. And what what's an example of what you're seeking at the, at that time? Looks? Uh, well, I mean, you could say I'm not interested in looks. It doesn't matter to me because that's kind of the the way you should say it, right? But, but of course, you've got to meet people in person. I mean, you know now with all the online dating, somebody's picture can be great, but it can also be five or 10 years old, mm -hmm. or even if it is great, you meet in person and the, the pheromones have to get along, right? Like your pheromones have to like my pheromones, even though you might be attracted to my picture. And here's the thing that I learned when I started online dating is that, you know, this is, this is once we got into like modern technology and I was single again, this would have been in the early 2000s, maybe 2005, 2006. And, you know, there was texting, and so you're online, you email, and then you exchange numbers and start texting. And you know how easy it is to develop a rapport with somebody via text? You know, you're, you're not really showing them too much of yourself, and you, you get to spend time creating a text message. And so you can kind of show off your best self, like your ultimate condensed best self. And I found this happened a few times. So you start texting somebody, and pretty soon a few days go by, and you're texting them like, People text each other that are friendly. And then you meet in person and there's just no connection. Oh, that has happened to me many a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can yeah. confirm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, going back to the personals, I don't remember what I would say in the personals as far as what I was looking for. But, you know, it was just basically like, God, what did I say? I don't even remember. It was basically like, you know, somebody to hang out with, somebody to drink wine with. You know, I was, I was, I was already into wine back then. That would have been a thing, you know somebody who appreciates wine, appreciates this kind of music, likes to go out and do these kinds of things, you know, things that you like to do. It's kind of like an online dating profile, but in a newspaper, condensed, it sounds very like. Very condensed, very condensed, and there's no pictures. Wait, there was no photo. I'm like imagining a photo in my oh. head with the text. This is just straight text. Oh. I mean, you know, if you think about the newspaper, think about classified ads, you know how little yeah. they are. Oh. You know? Little class, yeah. you know, like, like, I don't know. I don't know if you're too familiar with the classified ads in the newspaper because, you know, you're pretty young. Yeah. And I know Craigslist kind of destroyed the classified ad industry back in the, I don't know, 2005, 2006, maybe. But they're tiny. They're tiny. You got like, you know, an inch and you got like maybe six or seven lines and that's it. And people actually called. Yeah. I went on a with no photo. Right. I went on a few what? dates. That is 
Very interesting. I mean, I guess that's almost like you're being set up for a blind date and you have no idea what the person looks like. Right. That's, that's what it was. That's what it was. That's, <laughs> that's the way it was. I am blown away. <laughs> I can't even like imagine a world like that today. Imagine a world without pictures. I, I mean, if I see a dating app with like one photo, I'm like, nope, not enough photos. <laughs> like, right. can't, can't confirm you're real, you know? No. So that's just wow, right. insane. Yeah. If you only have one good picture of yourself, that's a red flag. Yeah, exactly. Wow. That's really interesting. And so did any of those personal like dates work, work out? Was it also, was it mostly men on there or, or women doing it too? Uh, I think, I think just like in the, in the world of online dating, there's so, so many more men <laughs> okay. out there, you know, I mean, I would talk to women that I dated after I started online dating and I'm like, so how many people look at your profile every day? And she'd like, you know, Oh, a hundred. I'm like, what? <laughs> And like maybe seven people looked at mine all day, you know, and I just did the math and I'm like, there must be so many more men out there in that pool than there are women. And I'm sure it was that way with the personals. But I think I'm, I went on, you know, maybe a handful of dates and nothing really turned into anything. Actually, the next relationship that came along was, uh, was right around the year 2000. And, uh, that was something that I'm, I, I feel a little bit sheepish about, but I'm going to tell you. Okay. I started dating a married woman. Really? Yeah, I did. How did that happen? I'm so intrigued. Full disclosure, um, I was managing a small restaurant. This woman and her husband came in on a regular basis, and the husband went out of town. And she came into the restaurant by herself one night. And I said, hey, we're all going to go out and do karaoke later. Do you want to come? And it was just, I was being completely straightforward and innocent, you know, like I'm not trying to hit on you because I know you're married. And then, you know, things happen. And was this also still in uh, Spok Spokane? Yeah, that's in Spokane. Yeah, okay. that was in Spokane. I was just, you know, I was managing a little restaurant there. I'd gotten out of radio. And uh, what I found out was her marriage was on the, seriously on the rocks. So she was, you know, looking for, looking for having a little fun on the side and not happy. And eventually that marriage ended. And was she, I don't know if you know this, but was she also kind of in a similar situation, like where she was married really young type of thing and that played into it? Or do you know? I think, yeah, she married somebody she met in college. Okay. Yeah. And they were both from the Northwest and he was from, so she was from Spokane and he was from Montana and they, oh. uh, they, they had moved to the East coast for jobs out just out of college. And then the marriage started to crash and they thought, okay, we'll move back home. That'll save the marriage. And it didn't, it didn't save the marriage. What's interesting to me is like in that story and even in yours, like both relationships, like we're going through steps to try and save the marriage. Whereas like, I feel like sometimes you see that, but I feel like a lot of times today people are kind of like, I'm done. And there's less couples therapy. And again, kind of tying back to just the change in technology and the more options and maybe the bigger cities, but I feel like you don't hear as much people working as hard um, right. just from what I know. Well, and another parallel just popped into my head, like, okay, people may not, may not feel like they have to stay married because if they're not happy, they should move on. And maybe that was the thing people worked on more back in the day. And, but think about like, like jobs, people have jobs and they just leave and go to another job. Whereas, you know, 50 years ago, people got jobs 
when they were young and they stayed in those jobs. You know, I mean, the, the jobs are way different now than they were, but so is so is dating. So our relationship. And so you're um, so then you were with this married woman in, again, this midsize town. And so mm-hmm. how long were you dating her? Was that through the end of her marriage? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too, it wasn't, I, I was the catalyst for the breakup of the marriage. And uh, then we, then we were together. We actually moved in together. Okay. And we stayed together for about three years, moved to California together. And that's how I ended up in California. We moved there because she found a job in actually Orange County. And we lived in Long Beach for about a year. Oh, the stomping grounds. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, and then she wasn't into the job we moved down there for, and she started looking for other jobs. And I had a restaurant job up in West Hollywood. And as you know, that's a monster commute. Yep. So I was like, well, why don't you find a job up in like downtown LA or something? And then we can move up here, you know, up into LA proper. So she started sending her resume out and ended up getting some leads from people in the Bay Area. So, you know, only been in LA for a year. I was like, well, let's just, let's just move. I mean, there's lots of restaurants in San Francisco I can work at. So we did. We moved to San Francisco. Actually settled in Oakland and my job is in San Francisco. Nice. I've heard Oakland is definitely on the rise these days. Oakland's awesome. It's got a great vibe to it. Um, You know, San Francisco has been taken over by the tech people and it's become fairly monochromatic racially, I think, you know, and it it just kind of has that, I don't know, everybody's the same. Everybody is the same. Everybody's doing the same thing, likes the same things. And I'm sure it would be odd to be dating there right now. Yeah, I heard it's not the best. (laughs) Yeah. But Oakland, when I moved to town in 2004, was just super diverse. Still had a little bit of that, ooh, Oakland, ooh, you know, it's the ghetto. And I would always tell people, if I wanted to go to the ghetto in Oakland, I would have to ask where it was because I've not encountered it. You know, I lived in a nice little neighborhood, not a shishi neighborhood, but just a nice, quiet neighborhood. And Oakland was cool, really cool, actually. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I feel like Long Beach is kind of similar in that it has this rep of being like the ghetto. It's kind of up and coming now. But when I tell mm-hmm. people I live in Long Beach, they're like horrified. <laughs> they think of Snoop Dogg. They think of Snoop Dogg. And they also think that it's kind of like not a safe place and mm-hmm. not a good place to be. And it's so far from everything. And I'm like, it's 30 minutes for me to get to downtown LA. Like there's there are bad areas for sure. But downtown LA is no better in my opinion, right. if not right. worse. So yeah, there's scary pockets everywhere you go. Uh, that right. doesn't remind me though of when I lived in Long Beach, I got a new cell phone. And so I got a 562 area code. And when I'd give it to people in West Hollywood at work, as soon as I said 562, they would kind of do a double take like what? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's where I learned in LA, people really judge you by your area code. Like, oh, 310, you're safe. Okay, you're cool. You know, 818, I don't know, maybe a little sketch. I don't know. 562, man, people are putting up their shields. <laughs> yep. I've encountered that many times. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm in Long Beach. And they're like, oh, okay. So I definitely. I liked Long Beach a lot. I thought it was a great yeah. town. It felt, like, it felt like it was still kind of living in the 1970s a little bit. Yeah. You know, 1970s beach town. Everybody was kind of like, oh, yeah, everything looks the same as it did in the 1970s. 
And everybody was fine with that. And I was fine with that. It's definitely, I think, changed a bit since that. But I still, I do think it's a more chill, laid back vibe compared to LA and even Orange County. Right. LA and Orange County, man. That's <laughs> Different beasts. <laughs> totally. Okay. But so then you moved up to Oakland and you were dating yep. um, your new girlfriend. So then what, what happened next? How, how did that go? We split up because after four years, because we had had conversations early on about children and I never mm. wanted to have children. And she said, I don't ever want to have children either. And you know, when you have a body clock, that's not always the case when you say something one year and then the next year you start to feel differently. And she was getting into that mid thirties range. And so she wanted to start thinking about it. And I was like, I'm, I've already thought about it. And the answer is no for me. So as I like to tell people, she wanted to get on the baby bus and I said, I'm not getting on the baby bus, but I will drive you to the bus stop. So I did. Basically, you know, <laughs> said, if you need to go, you need to go. And she did. And I was fine with that. Yeah, she was very, she was very cool about the whole thing. We were, you know, we were adults about it. It was actually, it was actually pretty good. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome because I feel like I mean, those are very important conceptual things that you need to align on for a relationship to, to work. And the worst thing that could have happened is if she stayed hoping that you would like change your mind, which I feel like a lot of things happen um, and then things just progress and end up getting worse and breakup is worse down the line. Right. Or I would have said, maybe we should have kids. Maybe I need to rethink it all. And then I would have, Ooh, yeah, who knows? You know, people I know that said they didn't want to have kids and then had kids are like, oh, best thing that ever happened. Yeah. But you know, I wasn't in that camp. I was like, no, no. So she went on and she found somebody and they got married and had a baby. Well, I'm glad that that worked out for her and it worked <laughs> out also for you. <laughs> she got the baby she wanted. Yeah. And then I, and then I was in the thick of the dating online in the Bay Area, which was like, you know, all of a sudden being the pilot of the space shuttle, like, wow, look at all this technology. Look at all these gizmos. We actually get to go into space. <laughs> never been to space before you know it just like it just felt like wow somebody gave me a catalog full of women to look at and and yeah imagine and it was just crazy so that was you know going from personals in spokane smaller town to you know living in the bay area that's a big big area there's oakland and san francisco and if you want to go out into the outer lying areas it's not too far you know there's there's probably five million people so then, yeah, it was interesting because I was, I was a fan of the online thing and it was still kind of new at that time. I want to say that there was maybe Match at that time, but there were some other ones that I don't think are in existence now. There was one called Lava Life. You ever heard of that? No, I have not <laughs> heard of that one. Lava Life. Lava like, you know, from a volcano. Uh, lava, Lava Life. Is it like your love is erupting or something? Is that like... <laughs> yeah, that's right. How many different, how many different things can we say about that eruption? Uh, yeah, I know. I mean, that's lava what I think life. of when you say lava from a volcano. I don't know. Yeah, but Lava Life was a, a dating site. I met some people, uh, and then there was Match.com. I think, I think, I'm pretty sure it was because I know there were a couple back then. I can't remember so much because this is like over 10 years ago, more like 15 years ago. What year was this, and how old were you at that time? Also, uh, that would have been in. 2005, because I moved to the Bay Area in 2004, 
early in the year. And by the end of the year, I was single. So it would have been late 2004 into 2005. And I would have been uh, 40 at that time. Okay. That's easy math. Yeah. <laughs> yes. For, I guess for you, not for me. No, for me, because I know 2004 is 40 years after 1964 when I was born. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, that's so 2005. That's, yeah, that's definitely way before I think the, the other eruption of <laughs> dating apps, because I right. think like 2012 ish, 2013, that's when like Tinder, Bumble, like all the like swiping type of apps really started to come up. Well, we didn't have smartphones yet. <laughs> Thank you for that reminder, too. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Now that, that, that's, you know, I would have to go home. And look at my, I'd sit at my desktop computer, you know, my PC, and open up the the website, you know, the Lava Life site, and, you know, put your pictures there, write your, you know, description of who you are, what you're looking for, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Check the boxes for don't want this, don't want that, don't want that kind of thing. But yeah, I think that that's a big thing. And I think we just realized it. The smartphone really put gas on the fire for sure. Yeah, because everyone's at your fingertips now. Right. You take them with you. They're in your pocket. Yeah. Instead of like, I'm going to go home and do that thing I do online behind closed doors looking at this dating app. And it was still back then, it was still people were like, oh, I've got a date tonight. Oh, where'd you meet her? Oh, I met her online. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was even the case in like 2012 when Tinder yeah. was, you know, coming up. So I can't even imagine Total the reaction. Stigma. Total yeah. stigma. Yeah. So I, I did that um, until uh, 2009 when I, no, 2010. Wait a minute, 2011. <laughs> now I'm having a problem with math. <laughs> 2011 when I met my current 10 year long term relationship. Uh, but there were, there was Lava Life, Match.com. And then, and you know, and I would date somebody for three, four months, and then it's like, ah, oh, this isn't working out. And I did a lot of that. There was a lot of that, like, oh, this is actually a thing people do, and it's okay. You know, even though you've met and you dated and you've started having sex, it's still okay to just say, you know what, I'm not into this. I'm sorry, I'm not into this. And do you think that was something, part partly because of your upbringing in the small town that you kind of had to like mentally get through, or generationally as well, or a combination of both, like trying to get through like, oh, this is okay. Like, Yeah, just kind of all of that stuff. You know, you realize you haven't invested a lot in this relationship if it's only been a couple of months and neither has the other person. And, you know, you just, and, and by that time too, you know, what's handy is by that time I was over 40. Yep. So the people I was dating were that age group. You know, I wasn't, I wasn't checking the box for like, I only want to date women in their 20s. I was not that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I was dating women in my appropriate age range, and they were all people who had water under their bridges too, you know? Yeah. Either divorced or been in several relationships. And, you know, one of the things that was actually a feather in my cap at that time, and a few people told me that was, oh, you've been married before. That's great. And I'm like, what do you mean? Really? Like, well, a guy your age. Well, here's the thing. They look at me like a guy your age, if he's never been married, what's wrong with him? Right. <laughs> I, I can see that being a thing like back then. I, I feel like I have friends like approaching 40 that are like, nope, girlfriend, not even on my mind right now. So I think just like different times also. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It is. It is interesting how that's not a very long time period between then and now, but mm -hmm. things are different. People do think about things in a different way. 
but yeah, I think, I think as far as the whole relationship goes and how I, I felt like I couldn't just break up with somebody. Yeah. There, that probably goes back to my early life and, and just like, you know, the values that are instilled in you that are great because they're based on all these traditions, but then, you know, the world changes, the world changes and things are cool. It's fine. Everybody moves on. It's fine. Nobody's going to die. You know, don't be a dick, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that's the biggest problem these days. <laughs> that's the thing. You can explain how you feel and why you don't think things are working out for you, but don't be a dick. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, I guess we're like ghosting and like catfishing, yeah. but were those right. all still things happening like on? No. No? Well, you know, ghosting was probably happening. I mean, yeah, you would, like I was saying, you'd get into a rapport with somebody and text back and forth and then you wouldn't hear from them. And it's like, what happened? Where did they go? They just disappeared. That's weird. You know, but that was, that was still after online dating started and texting started. I'm trying to think of like in the, in the nineties when I was dating, if there was like a, an equivalent, I guess you could make a date with somebody and they just wouldn't show up. That's kind of like ghosting or they would stop returning your phone calls maybe after a couple of dates, but I don't, th so that's like the equivalent back then of ghosting. But yeah, there wasn't so much technology. We weren't so connected. No. You know, when I first was single after my marriage broke up, it was 1996. And I didn't have a cell phone because only people with lots of money had a cell phone or people had a cell phone that they carried for work sometimes. That was it. Cell phones at that time were really like a luxury item. You know, they weren't mass produced like they are now. Everybody couldn't afford them like they can now. I still had a landline. And I remember, you know, I had an answering machine on my landline. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know anyone with a landline these days, like, <laughs> that are my parents. <laughs> I remember I met this girl, and I can say girl because I was younger and she was young. Because now I say girl once in a while when I'm referring to a, a woman, a young lady, and I get in trouble. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> shouldn't call yeah. women girls. I'm like, <laughs> oh, I guess, yeah, I shouldn't do that. But uh, I met this young lady. And I wasn't really ready to start dating because I'd just gotten out of my marriage. But I remember I moved, had a new apartment, bought a new answering machine. And then I met her at this uh, beer festival and uh, gave her my number. And then I got home, uh, you know, several hours later. And I remember my answering machine, there was a little light blinking on it. And I'm like, wow, nobody ever calls me. And it was her. And we started dating. So we actually met the old-fashioned way. We met at a at a beer festival. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like yes, that's hard to come by. <laughs> it is, but you know, I was there with some people. I was there for work actually. I was I was like covering the beer festival for the radio station, doing like live updates. And then we were done, and it's like let's go have some beers and have fun. And there was this other group of people. One of my people knew one of their people, and pretty soon I'm in this group. You know, that's maybe 15 people, and I just couldn't keep my eyes off of one of the young ladies and we ended up locking eyes and, and dancing and drinking beer and having a blast. But then she moved to Seattle. Okay. So the distance killed it? No, when we met, here's, here's what happened. We met, we had a real connection. I mean, it, it progressed very fast, especially okay. for a guy who'd been married for 10 years and hadn't dated in so long. I like, whoa, wow, she likes me. You know how it is. It's like I was dating women in their late teens and early 20s when I was 21, 22. And then I get back in the pool and I'm in my 
early 30s and the women I'm dating are in their late 20s. And, you know, they're ready to they're ready to have some fun. You know, they're not so like, oh, I can't do this on the first date. I can't do that on the first date. You know, they're ready to have some fun. They're they're They don't have the hangups as much, you know. So all of a sudden we're like having a blast. And then like a month in, she's like, okay, I've told you, you know, I have this job. I'm moving to Seattle for, and I'm like, yeah, you've told me that. You've told me that. That's cool. I'm totally fine with that. You know, we can try a long distance thing. She's like, you know, when I got the job, I told myself I'm going to move to Seattle and I'm just going to start over. No attachments. And this, this goes for you too. You have to understand that. And it was, I was devastated. Oh no. I was devastated. But Ugh. you know. It's okay, you know, right out of a 10-year marriage, it's good for you to get your heart broken a little bit, right? Yeah, and get those experiences too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad that you were receptive and okay with that because I've dated people where I've been up front with that, including a move. And I was like, hey, I'm moving. We can have fun, but like, then I'm going to move and I just want to start over. Right. And in their, they say, okay. And then in their head, they think I'm going to change my mind and it just creates a disaster, <laughs> as you can imagine. <laughs> I was bummed. I'll, yeah. Don't get me wrong. I was super bummed. But, you know, you got to move on. Yeah. But now you're with your current girlfriend. And what site did you meet her on? We met on OkCupid. I didn't even realize OkCupid was around in 2005. No, we met in 2011. Oh, sorry. 2011. Okay. No, so I broke up with Stephanie, who had to get on the baby bus. And then I was, you know, just sort of a dating guy for the next four or five years. You know, I had, like I said, I had little two and three month relationships that were like, okay, trying this out. All right. Not, not a good fit. Okay. Move on. And then, and then I met Sabrina, who I'm with now uh, in 2011 on OkCupid. So at that point, was that on your, were you using the phone app? Were you still on your computer using it? Because I use OkCupid too, but it was not my favorite one. Well, uh, I was a late adopter to the smartphone technology. Okay. Uh, in 2011, I did not have a smartphone. Okay. And that, and that was not uncommon in 2011 for not everybody to have a smartphone. Because, you know, those things were new and I wasn't one of those Mac people, you know, the Mac people that aren't PC people that the iPhone came out and they're like, oh, got to get the phone. Steve Jobs says we got to have this phone. We're going to get this phone. Yeah. <laughs> and they were the only smartphones for a while before the Android phones came out. So I was still like, okay, I got to go home and look at the dating site, see if I've got any mail. Oh, I got to go home and write that girl back again. Okay. You know, so it was back to my apartment onto the PC and okay, Cupid. That's so funny to me almost just because I feel like to your point, like the people that did have smartphones are so connected and they're expecting like responses quick, quick, quick. And I could yeah. see someone sitting there like, why doesn't he message me back? And it's like, well, he has to go home to his computer after work in, in <laughs> exactly. you know, 12 hours. I also think though that that's to your benefit as a guy yeah, to keep you from being too anxious, too, too eager, you know, because you know how that is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know. You don't want to be too eager. You don't want to seem desperate. So it was good. You're like, oh, I, I can't do anything till I get home onto the PC. And then, uh, you know, then I met Sabrina and that was it. And I only got my first smartphone like three years ago. Oh, oh, wow. Okay. I, I know, Very right? late adopter. <laughs> right? Yeah. I was just like, I don't need the internet in my pocket. I have it at home. I have it at work. I don't need it in my pocket. I have a phone I text people with, I call people with. 
But, you know, I, and if I need to check my email, I'm either at work or at home, or I'm going to be at one of the other places in a few minutes. Yeah. I was a little bit of a late adopter to the smartphones. But yeah, I'm glad you had success with OkCupid because I was using it, but definitely for a younger demo. So I was in my early 20s at the time and I had terrible luck on that app. Like I would get the weirdest messages. Like someone was like, will you be my slave? Someone was like, will you wear, yeah, will you, will you wear the meat dress of Lady Gaga and like be a dom? And I was like, what? Like, and then the guys that did message me, like kind of similar to what you were saying, they just got, I never even met up with them because they would text me so much and get so clingy. And like, I'd be at the gym and I wouldn't respond for an hour and they'd be like, why didn't you answer me? And I was like, I literally was working out and I haven't even met you. Like, why are you freaking out at me? Man, before you even met them one time. It was crazy. Yeah. It was, it was not so, so I kind of stayed away from, okay, Cupid, but this was in Philly for me, but. Oh, that was in Philly. Okay. So how long have you been in, in, in LA? Um, a little over two years now. Okay. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions because, you know, I like to do that because I have a podcast, by the way, it's called tall Mike wine podcast. That's all one word, tall Mike wine. And it's on all the apps. (laughs) There's my plug. so you were in Philly and you were on OkCupid. And so you say that wasn't great. Were you also on another app? Yeah, I I tried pretty much almost all of them. Like I was on Bumble, Tinder, Hinge. I'm still on Bumble and Hinge now. Okay. That's what I was going to ask you. What what you're what you're doing now and how frequently you're meeting new people and uh, how that's going. Yeah, so I'm on Bumble and Hinge, but I admittedly hate dating apps. I hate online dating. <laughs> so I'm glad. I'm always happy when I hear other people have great success and, and love right? it. Because um, <laughs> I have not. Let me think. Who do I know in LA I could fix you up with? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. right? I, I would prefer that. Honestly, right. I'd prefer that. Well, you know, people being vetted by your friends is a thousand percent better, I think, than all these random people, you know. Yeah, I just find what happens to me on dating apps. And honestly, it's been worse for me in LA than Philly. In Philly, it's a, it's a smaller city. The dating pool is smaller. And the people from like a beauty standard scale is also very different. They're not expecting people with full face of makeup and contour and work done. So I tended to have more luck there and more matches. And I actually went on a few dates in Philly. And then when I moved to LA, I rarely get any matches when I like, I'm not like, I don't, I'm not wearing makeup. Like I don't wear it that often. I'm not like a typical, that typical type of like model actress that you would think of when you think of LA. You think of LA and everybody's perfect. Right. That's what you, that's what you think of. And I think a lot of guys look for that. Um, some of them sure. don't to their credit, you know, but I, I don't look like that. So compared to some female profiles, you might see like, I'm like, like they're at like a 10 and I'm like a four, like in comparison in LA. In LA to the typical average jamoke in LA that's on a dating app. Yeah, exactly. So what you're saying is in LA, you're sort of a small percentage type of the population and the guys that would appreciate that are probably also a very small percentage of the dating population guys. You're, you're a niche product. (laughs) Yeah. So that's a good way to think of it, but yeah, it's just, I don't know. It's just harder. There's so many more people to sift through. 
I, I, like we were talking about, I'm in Long Beach. Many of my matches are in LA or Orange County. And I think a lot of times, like I'll literally be talking to someone. I'm like, oh, I'm in Long Beach. And they just unmatch me. <laughs> right, right. You know? Yeah. I mean, if they're like in Northridge or Burbank, that's a long way. That's a lot of driving. Yeah. So I think there's just other factors here too. And I just find that conversations in both, in both places and in, in all cities, honestly, they'll fizzle out. People ghost easier. And I think that's just with dating apps becoming more popular, people aren't as invested. Right. And, and you have to be really invested. And I have some friends that have, like I said, great success. Like they're really messaging all the time and going on dates. And I just like, I don't have the energy all the time. So if I'm not getting like great energy back, like I'm not going to give you good energy. Or sometimes I just forget to reply. I truly just forget. And I remember a week later and then they're like, you waited a week and right. they delete me again. So uh, that's, you know, that's just life. You know, uh, the, our lives are harder, I think, because of the whole, like the way we are expected to be working all the time. And, yeah, you know, and it's just, and you live in LA and that's a lot of driving everywhere you go just to go to the gym or just to do simple things. Well, yeah. And I moved here right before the pandemic. So mm -hmm. meeting people in person was definitely a very different experience than maybe if I hadn't. So that's been a bit of a challenge in, in itself. And I also think it's a very closed off city in general, even before pandemic happened. So. so do you have anybody currently that you have gone on a date with that you're ready to go on another date with? I haven't been on a date in LA in, I guess, seven months, six months, seven months. Wow. And it was okay. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. See, I get this idea, like you're on a, you, you host a dating podcast. So like you're actively really just going out there trying to date and to have stories to tell for a while i i was and then i was honestly traveling a lot this summer i got foot surgery so i was at home so there's things like that that didn't allow me to do that here but again like on the i don't like the app so sometimes i'm on there but i don't have much luck but i haven't really been like present and out in la to like be meeting people but mm -hmm. i'm here now for the next two months so i'm hoping maybe that'll change. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so too. Yeah, we'll or, see. <laughs> or, or you meet you meet somebody's cousin's pool boy who fixes you up with them or something. Yeah, we'll see. I guess you have to put it out there in the world. You, know? you do. You have to tell enough people, I don't like the dating apps. I wish I could meet somebody the old-fashioned way and just keep saying it to people. Yeah. It might start to sound pathetic. I know. I feel like very old, like no offense when I say that, right. even though you met someone on a dating app, so it doesn't, it's null and void, you know, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> yeah, but, um, yeah, I guess I'm a little old fashioned with that kind of stuff. Oh, that's a good thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I just turned 30, so I'm hoping I have a little more time though. I feel the dating pool gets a little harder with age, but, um, yeah, LA is yeah. just a whole different beast. I, you know, I was, I was involved with somebody while I was in LA, so I never had to date in right. LA. But I'm sure I managed a restaurant in West Hollywood, and all my staff were like aspiring actors and you know, yeah. comedians and rock stars, and just there was a thing, man. And then, of course, the clientele, all these beautiful people. <laughs> exactly. But there's just a lot of, there's just such an awareness of looks, like you said, you know. People are always looking at people in a certain way that I think is very unique to Los Angeles because of the entertainment industry yeah. so much. You know, not only like 
is she really attractive or wait, isn't she that woman that was in that independent movie? You know, that kind of thing. Like I would, I managed a restaurant and at that time I, you know, I had moved from Spokane, Washington. So I'd have my servers come up to me and say, Hey, you see that, that girl over there? I'm like, which table? That table is 17, you know? Okay. Yeah. Which, 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 the blonde one? I'm like, okay. Yeah. Do you know who that is? <laughs> like, is that somebody? They're like, well, she was in such and such movie and it was like some small, obscure, independent movie. I'm like, yeah, I never saw it and nobody else did either. Like, yeah, but she was in that movie. <laughs> so there was such an awareness of like, who the, who's that? Who's that? And one day between uh, lunch and dinner, this young lady came in and said, hey, I've got some friends coming. Can we push a couple tables together? And uh, I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's, let's push a couple tables together. So this young lady and I pushed a couple tables together so her friends could come and they, it was going to be like six or eight of them. And we were having a good time chatting. And then uh, the hostess walks in and I go over to the host stand. I'm like, yeah, she's got some people coming in. And uh, I said, you know, she kind of looks like a young Claire Danes. And she looks at me, the hostess, and she says, Mike, that was Claire Danes. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. It's so hilarious that, like, I was not picking up on it, you know, like, but she kind of looks like Claire Danes, only a little younger. No, it was Claire Danes. Yeah, people care a lot about that. Like, I get people like, oh, well, I'm friends with this person, and they live with Addison Ray, And I'm like, and? Like, is that supposed to be cool? Like, you know, I right. just, like, some, a lot of people really care about that. I just tune it out. <laughs> well, and now the concept of celebrity is spread so thin because there are so many ways to be well-known, whether you're a YouTuber or uh, you're on some obscure streaming show on some obscure network. There's just a thousand different ways you could be out in front of people, but it's a, it's a much smaller slice of the pie. So somebody could say, Hey, you know who that is? I'm like, no, well, she's on some, you know, show that five people watch. But if you're one of those people, you think she, that's somebody, that's a famous person. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. So the concept of like the super famous person is, is not as much of a thing anymore because there's just so many people with, a medium amount of fame. There's only so much to go around. It's a crazy world out here. <laughs> it is. It is. But I, I did have fun. I did have fun in LA. Yeah. It's fun. Just dating can be a wild ride, I guess I'll say. If I think of anybody, I'll, I'll try and hook you up, okay? <laughs> yeah. Perfect. perfect. I have to think of like, do I know any younger people in Los Angeles? <laughs> yeah. Do I know any younger people? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I know. If you meet someone that passes through Nicholson Ranch. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. If I meet somebody at the winery that's in your age range, uh, and, I, and, I, and of course, I'll, of course, be vetting them for you. <laughs> yes, perfect. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll write up a classified ad for you to have um, oh, also perfect. on a coaster. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Well, you know, that, that's not a bad thing. If they're actually, if they're visiting wineries in wine country, that's a good, uh, that's a good, that's a good thing, yeah. I think. You know, they're yeah. not just... Hanging out, drinking beer all day at the sports right. bar. <laughs> Very true. Thanks, Mike, for coming on and sharing all of your knowledge about dating in the Pacific Northwest throughout your life. <laughs> You're welcome. All right. Have a good one. Thank you. It's been lovely chatting with you. I 
like to thank everyone that's helped make this podcast possible, specifically Kayla McNulty that helped create the podcast, Ray Zaragoza, The Kid Inside, Allie Bernstein, Maggie DeBaradine, and Lindsay Weiner that all helped contribute in some sort of way. You can find us on Instagram at swipeyswipewest. Send us a DM with any questions, comments, suggestions. Thank you all again for listening. Have a great rest of your week.